Cairo, Seattle. It's time to get schooled with a professor, John Clayton. And welcome to Schooled with a Professor. Uh, training camp starting, and of course, it's a busy time, lots of activity, transactions, news, all those different things. And so let's get to it with Mark Ross, who's an NFL uh, network analyst. And you can follow him on Twitter at Mark Ross, M-A-R-C, M-A-R-C Ross. Follow him there. So, Mark, I guess the big story uh, has always, this offseason has been Aaron Rodgers, and he made it even more dynamic uh, on Wednesday when he came back and basically you know, ripped the front office for just about everything. I mean, he said that uh, you know they've let too many players go. Uh, you know, they've watered down the roster. They haven't taken care of a lot of the guys who've been good to this team for so many years. And I guess you can understand it with, you know, Brian Balaga leaving and Corey Lindsay leaving. He was upset that uh, they cut Jake Camaro, who he thought was the second best receiver on the team. And so, uh, you know, he's, he's saying that, you know, he's not ruling out the possibility of coming back next year, but you kind of get the idea that he's going to be traded. Thoughts on uh, Aaron Rodgers and how definitive he was in his press conference? Yeah, that was surprising to see you know him air all those grievances out like he did, and uh, for him it's justified. But I'm thinking for the Green Bay front office, I, I'm sure a lot of that what he said they don't feel it's justified, and that's the tricky part where you know yesterday he talked about well he's reporting and all is well, but obviously all is not well, and. I think this could be even more drama going forward with him, and especially now that he's showing uh, or feeling or that he has a lot more power on what they should do as far as personnel decisions. And uh, this was, I guess, a sticking point with him before. But, you know, th- this is the front office. You, this is why you don't want to give a player uh, – you, know, you want to talk to your star player, you always want to have a good relationship, but not let players dictate personnel decisions. And – you know, this is the case if we're just talking about, number one, the Randall Cobb signing. And, okay, he wanted Randall Cobb. Now he has him. But let's just say Randall Cobb isn't one of the five best receivers on the team once he gets to camp. Do they keep him now just to keep Aaron happy? And then if they do keep him and he's not playing enough and Aaron complains, do they keep him just to uh, – you know, they play him more because Aaron's unhappy. So this could go further and further uh, where, where, where does this end with Aaron Rodgers making decisions and – you mentioned the receiver, Jake uh, Camaro, out from last year. You know, a journeyman, 29-year-old receiver uh, who bounced around, has bounced around five or six different teams. And here Aaron Rodgers is saying, well, he's the best player, you know, second-best receiver. And I'm sure that's more of a personal relationship that Aaron had with him because the league does not value that guy like that. The Green Bay front office didn't. And the front office is always looking out to keep the best players on the team without personal feelings getting involved. But when you have a player doing that, their personal feelings kind of outweigh the actual play on the field. So I think this could keep going on, and someone has to draw a line in the sand in the front office at some point to say, all right, this is enough, and it could get ugly once again. Yeah, of course, I mean, he got really ugly on Wednesday with his press conference, and it didn't help that Devontae Adams chimed in, and, you know, he's in the last year of his contract, and, you know, he was graded out to be the best receiver in the league last year, and now he's taken the position, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know about signing a contract, and he seemed doubtful that he's going to get a contract because he wants to be the highest paid wide receiver, and it doesn't appear that the Packers are willing to do that. So that's another piece of disharmony in Green Bay. Yeah, you definitely, this unprecedented where you got your, the Hall of Fame quarterback and then the best receiver in the league on the same team, and they're both 
unhappy and it's just not a good situation at all for for the Packers front office and you know where do they go from here how do they mend these fences how do they make things right uh, and will this leak onto the field and that's the bigger problem it's not just these two individuals but how will this affect the whole team uh, because the teams that I've been on as everybody's had you know one been you know on the same page and one goal and and no distractions and you're moving forward together but just to start a season like this uh, with not only Aaron, but also Devontae now, uh, th- this can't be good for the entire organization. Yeah, and you also look at the fact that Zaria Smith, I mean, he seems to be a little bit upset with his contract. You know, next year with the cap situation that they have, which will obviously improve if uh, Rodgers isn't there, is going to be you know tough to keep Preston Smith. And so, I mean, this thing is spreading through the team. So what you wonder about is that can this team stay at that 13 win level, even though this is kind of their last hurrah with all the internal problems with the players and front office. Yeah, well, just as far as talent-wise and, you know, Aaron at the top, you know, just Aaron at the second best quarterback in the league, maybe the first. You know, Mahomes is number one. I have Aaron, too. You know, they're always contenders. Uh, they have a strong roster. They've got a playmakers on offense. You know, Bakhtari's coming back. The defense is strong. But you know, to go 13 and three is hard to replicate year after year. So that's number one. But then now number two, how much will this affect the on the field play? Uh, you, you you like to say, hey, we can block it out and go play, but it's hard to do that. When you've got a lot of distractions, no matter what what it is, it affects your team. And I, I just can't see how this, as you're saying, as you said, it's trickling down to other players where. Well, Aaron's doing it now. I I feel emboldened to speak out too. So, is this over with with these guys? Is it someone else that's going to be unhappy with something and start complaining? Uh, so, you know, I, I doubt they'll go 13 and three. I do think they are one of the best teams in the NFC. But, uh, you know, just because of all the distractions and it's hard to replicate that, I would see them definitely taking a step back. How good do you think the NFC is right now? Because I, I I look at it as kind of a troubled conference because you look over in the AFC and you see a lot of good young quarterbacks. You see a lot of good young teams, you know, teams that are building. You know, like, for example, I, I look at the uh, AFC that there could be as many as 11 teams that are real serious playoff contenders where you start to look at the shrinkage in the NFC. You know, for example, you know, New Orleans, they're going to start the season – uh, down 11 starters because you know now you have uh, the Michael Thomas uh, injury that's going to take him out four months with the ankle and he and they don't have much at wide receiver then you know, the suspension six game suspension of a defensive tackle you know all the guys that they had to lose for cap reasons and everything else and so which what I'm looking at is that that, that team's down we know Philadelphia is going to be down because you know with uh, the change in quarterback and having cap issues themselves uh, you know and uh, as good as the Rams are and they're clearly a top playoff caliber team you know they lose four starters on defense they do get better with Matthew Stafford but also they lose Gerald Everett you know they lose uh, Josh Reynolds uh, they lose their starting center so it's like uh, how do you kind of shape up and then to make matters worse in the NFC I mean all the teams have to go on the road for the seven for the ninth game in the 17 uh, game season yeah, it's really, and you hit it. The AFC is much, much stronger in my view. And the NFC, I think Tampa's the clear favorite. You know, they've got their whole team back, and they've got the GOAT, Tom Brady, there. And 
uh, you know, just seems like the energy there is like, hey, we want it now. We're just going to refocus and, and be even better this year. So I think they're the clear favorite. And the, the rest of the teams are gigantic question marks. You know, if the Packers were on the right page and everything was good with them, I'd, I'd put them right at number two. But with all this drama going on now, it's 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 uncertainty. And, again, you mentioned the Rams and, and Cam Akers. They lost Cam Akers already. They're running back and. You know, Matthew Stafford, despite all the, the hyperbole coming from Sean McVay, you know, he hasn't proven that he's a, he's a winner there in Detroit or can raise the level of a franchise. And, you know, that defense will take a step back, losing their coordinator and the players you mentioned. Um, so if you go down the list, you know, San Francisco, you know, is, is Jimmy G, can he stay healthy? And Seattle, I always bet on Russell Wilson, but, you know, we've, we've seen he can't do it all. And their defense, I think, is, is going to struggle. So uh, in, in the NFC East, we know, uh, the Cowboys are the favorite to me just because Dak is back and that offense will be explosive and the, the defense uh, will be better you know, by default and the additions of some, some draft picks and Dan Quinn. Uh, but, uh, you know, the South, as you mentioned, Drew Brees is gone with the Saints, so they're a big question mark. Um, so, it, you know, top to bottom, when you just go through all the teams in the NFC, there's huge, huge question marks, and Tampa Bay is looking real good right now, almost a lock, but and no one's ever a lock, but they're by far the strongest team, and uh, the, the rest of the teams have a lot of question marks, particularly at the, their quarterback spot, and then the trickle down through the roster. Could this be similar to what we saw back in the early 2000s? Because back in the early 2000s, I mean, the AFC was better than the NFC. You know, obviously it had Tom Brady at quarterback. It had Peyton Manning at quarterback. Then Ben Roethlisberger came around, and it got to the point where in interconference play, uh, you know, the AFC was like, 46 and 22 or 46 and 20 or 40 and 26 or 24 and so it's like uh you know, do you think that could get to that point particularly the way things are sized up this year and maybe in the f- near future yeah it's and and uh yeah as you mentioned things go and it, it changes and i was early 2000s i was with philadelphia and we had you know we were the standard in the nfc really you know five nfc championship games and and whatnot but in the afc of course it was the brady manning duels every year and and now just when you look at the you know the afc with you know the bills with with josh allen and how they're coming on and uh, you know, the Jets took their number two pick, even though he's not signed yet. But, uh, you know, Burrow and Cincinnati and Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland is really a, a strong team for me that they'll be right in the mix. And Baltimore with Lamar. And you go down the list of teams that are good now, but they should just keep getting better if they make the right uh, additions. And KC's not going anywhere. So uh, the Chargers with Justin Herbert, you just go down the list of all those teams and you compare them and put one of those teams in the, in the NFC and they'd be the – the number two team behind Tampa, as I've mentioned before. And it's it's just when they play each other, I'm sure you'll see the AFC teams, for the most part, will be favorable to the NFC, NFC teams and have a huge advantage. Uh, but, but again, it all has to play out. You, you, we're, we're saying that right now. On paper, it looks like that. And then once we start playing games, you don't know who's going to emerge and who will fall back to the pack. But on paper, the way it looks like, it, the, the AFC is much stronger. Yeah, the thing I wonder about with Tampa Bay is as good as they are, and clearly they are. There's no doubt they're the favorite. But uh, you know, they brought everybody back, all the starters, which was great from the Super Bowl. But then one of the problems is that makes that team a year older, and old doesn't necessarily work out as well because I mean, last year they were so lucky in the standpoint that uh, they had a very healthy season. I think they were like you know, among the top five 
teams as far as uh, health, as far as not losing a lot of starters. But if they start coming back and, you know, losing more starters because of injury, you know, that could pull them down a little bit. Yeah, that definitely injuries always have injury and age always play a part in it and luck with teams that, that make it and win the Super Bowl and lucky plays as well. You know, green, the Green Bay game, the Kevin King play at the end of the half, if that goes, that, you know, they don't have a, this brain freeze on that. The game could have won a completely different way. So you always account for that in the Super Bowl season and you can never say we have, we can duplicate that year after year, just luck and injuries and uh, that they always play a part in it. But I just look at Tampa, Just they, they are older, but they do have a lot of young stars as well, just Devin White, namely, and uh, you know, they're not too, too old. And, of course, we know Tom Brady, he, how old he is, but I think the way he's playing and the, the way they're built where they have a nice mix of the older vets but also a nice core of younger players that, uh, in depth that they should, uh, and the barring anything unforeseen with, with, with just getting wiped out in certain positions, they've got good depth and good playmakers across the board that that they should be okay. And, again, you have to compare it to, all right, even if they do have some injuries, compare them to the rest of the NFC. Are they same as some of those teams or still better? And I I just see them still, even if they have some some unforeseen injuries, but they'll still be the class of the NFC. Yeah, I would agree. So where do you look at the Seattle Seahawks? Yeah, and and I love Russell Wilson. I love what he does, and – I've always loved him, but again, it, he has not been able to carry them. Uh, you know, they were rolling early last year, and then it seems like teams caught up to them and, and figured out their offense. And I think their question marks are, are are still are still there. You know, is you know they made some offseason additions on the, on the offensive line, which has always been a struggle for them. But you know, have they done enough there? And uh, but the defense is a huge, huge question mark for me with Seattle, where. They don't have pass rush when you're when the best your best pass rusher is a safety. Uh, that that's a problem for you. And Jamal Adams is good as a player as he is when when he's your best pass rusher and is not a good cover guy. That that's uh, that's a tough for me. That that's your best player on defense. You know, Bobby 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 Wagner, of course, is a perennial Pro Bowler. But um, and their secondary, their corners is they're you know basically have a bunch of you know. Backup caliber guys are going to be their top two starters uh, as their corners. So when you combine not having any pass rush with the corners and with, with having uh, replacement level corners, that's tough for their D. So I, I just can't buy them as just for Russell Wilson. Yes, playoff team, you know, fight for a playoff spot. But as far as a serious Super Bowl contender, I just don't see that. Okay, so switching gears a little bit. Uh... Uh, thing that kind of stuns me, and obviously it's a big battle between the players and the NFL because the NFL is trying to force as many players to get vaccines as they possibly can. But uh, uh, one thing that's amazing is that uh, the number of uh, positive COVID tests uh, just with players reporting. I mean, just like, for example, on Tuesday, there were 15 players that had uh, you were on the COVID list, 14 of them tested positive, and the list continues to grow and grow to a point right now where it's over 40. What is going on? Yeah, it's, it's almost as if, and that's, that's been surprising. I noticed that this morning, too, and I saw a couple more guys test positive. But I think it's more so last year, everybody was doing, uh, trying to be extra cautious, following all the protocols, doing everything to stay away from people, and knowing that it was still so much uncertainty, what was going on 
with the with the pandemic and and the, the protocols. But now it's everyone just has kind of relaxed in you know even if you have been vaccinated to go out and say oh I've been vaccinated everything's fine no there needs to be more information you know you can get vaccinated but still have test positive for it you may not get the symptoms and uh, but you can still test positive and I think that has been the issue the mindset this year and that people just have the players the staff everyone has just been more lax with staying away from people, masking, social distancing, those things where you can still catch it and test positive. And I think that's probably what's been going on, uh, that that people have been exposed to a lot more people. And, uh, you know, hopefully the NFL will start taking extra steps and extra measures to kind of go back to maybe a hybrid of what they were doing last year leading into camp uh, until everyone does get vaccinated and everyone does find a way to combat it in the right way so that it's safe for the entire team. Yeah, because one thing that's going to end up happening is that uh, I know there's 18 teams as of now that have over 90% vaccinations, but you know, a team like Washington with 60%, team like Indianapolis, they were, they are at risk of being at a competitive disadvantage because you know they have more chances of getting COVID 19s and more chances if they get too many of unvaccinated players having to forfeit. Yeah, definitely, and, that, and that's what if you're looking at as you mentioned competitive advantages. If you went into the season and say, okay, we will have X amount of injuries versus another team will that will have this amount that's much less than ours. Uh, you'd say they have a competitive advantage, and it's the same thing now with getting vaccinated. If you have a certain amount of players that are available and can practice together uh, versus another team that can't do it as well as you can or have as many, that's the optimum situation. So, And that's why you've seen some prominent coaches, Bruce Arians, the Super Bowl-winning coach, saying, hey, you know, uh, the high percentage of it, whereas the frustration, I don't know what's going on down in Washington, but the frustration yesterday with Ron Rivera talking about his own team and you know, that was surprising when he came out and said that. Uh, but um, it, it, it's it's definitely the teams that have more able-bodied players will be better prepared to win football games this year. Hey, of course, you can follow all this with all the uh, vaccines, with all the uh, COVID-19, with all the moves on the NFL Network's Inside Training Camp, which airs every day at 10 a.m., uh, West Coast time, and that goes through August 11th. Mark Ross from the NFL Network, who's an analyst, uh, we want to thank you. And of course, you can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Ross. Uh, anything, anything good to follow right now for you? Just say that again, John. Anything, anything good yeah, to follow? Just, uh, for you? Uh, just, just, uh, just on total access and inside training camp. Just, just, just looking forward to see. You know, but what happens, who's going to be the surprise team? And training camp always got all the storylines going in. But uh, it, once it gets going, once those games start getting played, uh, you know, it kind of goes, uh, who's the surprise and, and who's going to be in the mix? But I'm just excited to have football back and, and ready to go. Yeah, we all are. Mark Ross, thanks for joining us on Schooled with the Professor. You're welcome. And that does it for this week's podcast. In between episodes, you can follow me on Twitter at Clayton ESPN. If you enjoy these weekly one-on-one conversations, consider leaving a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to the show. Thanks for listening. See you next time on Schooled with the Professor.